Hey there, welcome back to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and the data they use to make decisions. I'm your host, Andrew Cox, a senior retail analyst here at FreightWaves, and today we are speaking with one of those companies that keeps supply chains moving. They happen to be my headline sponsor of the show as well, that is Arc Best. I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Dennis Anderson. He's the chief customer officer at Arc Best. Dennis, thanks for joining me, and thanks for, thanks for coming. Well, thanks, Andrew. It's always a privilege to be with Freight Waves and, and great to be on your show today. So, Dennis, uh, ArcBest is a big company that does a lot more than LTL, but ABF is one of those signature brands within the ArcBest portfolio. So I want to start with LTL uh, when we're speaking about e-commerce, because we've seen a lot of uh, influx of demand from e-commerce flow into LTL out of um out of truckload and, and and LTL provides this unique opportunity to be agile and flexible uh, with loads. So uh, where does LTL fit into the to the e-commerce uh, landscape? Sure, well, great question, Andrew. And I, and I totally agree with you. I think uh, flexible and agile, those are words that, that I think everyone has gotten really, really familiar with over the last few months. And LTL is a, is a great mode for that. And, you know, as we, uh, think about what happens in the supply chain when when e-commerce is involved. Uh, there's there's probably a final mile component uh, that's that's lot a lot of times delivery to home, but it might be Bopus or or some other uh, endpoint to that to that uh, that e-commerce transaction. But LTL can play a role really in any part of that supply chain. Um, as you mentioned, you know our our LTL carrier here at Artbest is is ABF. And ABF has done home deliveries for many, many years. Um, not a lot of LTO carriers really had started off into that. I think more and more in the last few years have, have gotten involved where they're making these home deliveries of their own equipment. But that's one place where LTL uh, plays a role. And then if you back up really kind of into the middle mile uh, where they're shipping to DCs or from DCs to stores, uh, there's quite a bit of LTL at play there. And it really kind of just depends on the, the specific product that's moving, the retailer that's involved. Uh, the, those can definitely uh, involve LTL. And, and really, you know, first mile even, we, we've, seen, we've seen business in, in the first mile. So all through that, um, LTL plays a role. And because of the unique nature of e-commerce, uh, LTL really kind of plays a unique role for that because what it's doing e-commerce by by definition really is is moving that endpoint to the consumer a lot of times. And so uh, when you're having dispersion of the endpoints like that, it requires smaller shipment quantities and LTL is, is great for that. And a lot of times LTL is going to play a role uh, for heavy or bulkier items, not necessarily uh, your parcel items that, that you'd think of as maybe everyday kind of deliveries uh, in, in e-commerce, but they're going to, they're going to play a role for, for largely, uh, heavier, bulkier items as well. So Dennis, let's talk about, uh, two facets of this. This is equipment that is used to deliver the goods and also the velocity, uh, with which goods are delivered because e-commerce 
and we can thank Amazon for this, but they keep uh, pushing and pushing for faster and faster delivery, even if it's something as big as a, a treadmill or a ping pong table. So uh, how do you guys think about what equipment is necessary to move through residential places as you're making home deliveries? And how do you, um, how, how does the velocity, uh, the ever-changing, ever-faster delivery impact where you position freight, where you position equipment? Sure. Well, I think the, the first question on, on the equipment is you, you definitely want equipment that can fit in, into a residential neighborhood or, or if you're in a, in a metro area, it uh, doesn't take up a whole lot of room on the street. Uh, so you're looking at things like straight trucks in a, in a lot of situations or uh, traditional LTL fleets have, have uh, had pup trailers, which are the 28 foot variety. Uh, which maybe if you're driving down the interstate, you'll see two of them together uh, for a set of pups. But those 28 footers are typically easier to maneuver uh, into a neighborhood. And so you'll see either the straight trucks or the pups typically uh, in a neighborhood. Now, some LTL fleets uh, only have 53s or 48s. And so they'll they'll try to navigate those down in the neighborhoods. And I guess it can be done. But most ideally, you're either talking about straight trucks or pups. The other thing that's really important uh, for home delivery a lot of times is liftgate uh, because you're, you're not typically going to come to a home that has a dock. That's, that's not a normal thing. And so most of these trailers are, are built off the ground enough to, to bump a dock. And so uh, liftgate is, is pretty important in that because you need to be able to get the, the heavier, bulky item uh, down to the ground for the delivery uh, at, at the residence. So lift gates, uh, pup trailers, straight trucks are, are typically things that, that show up in those, uh, in those neighborhoods. And then the second question you asked was about velocity. And I think, you know, one, one thing that's clear, uh, consumers, we're all consumers and we want things uh, yesterday. And so there's always going to be this push for faster velocity um, through the supply chain. And I think uh, the, the the logistics providers that are able to, to deliver that uh, are, are really, really uh, critical. I, I think I, I saw a quote from a retailer uh, today, actually, that just talked about the shift to same day delivery for them is one of the fastest logistics shifts they'd, they'd seen in their entire career. And so, you know, same day delivery <laughs> is, is a big deal. And so uh, there, there's definitely a push for greater velocity. And, you know, some, some networks can keep up with that. Some, you know, it, it's going to be a, a struggle. And so I think there's just always going to be a, a, an evolution going on uh, and really a, a race for uh, providers with networks, particularly to, to increase that velocity. Uh, while keeping cost reasonable. That's the other thing. If you're going to increase velocity, you're generally going to increase cost. Uh, and so the retailers are grappling with that. You know, how do you, how do you deal with uh, the increase in cost to, to increase the velocity to, to satisfy your consumer? And so um, I think that's, that's one of those things that we're going to continue to watch play out uh, because someone's going to have to bear that cost because it is more costly. I think you're exactly right, Dennis. When they talk about when you talk about the costs of uh, faster and faster fulfillment, and 
it, it seemed to me that I don't think Americans are going to be as willing to pay for same day delivery or deliver by shipped or deliver or or whatever um, gig economy courier is doing. So do you do you feel that way? Do you think there's going to be the same demand for same day delivery post COVID when people can go back into stores and pick it up on their own? I I think that if costs are passed on to consumers uh, in the way that they actually exist or some close level to to what the costs actually are. I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 a it's a definite struggle uh, for the consumer to ultimately bear that cost. And so what you've seen is either retailers or the provider, uh, especially in a startup scenario, maybe is eating that cost as you know they're, they're marketing to get off the ground, if you will. And so, but that cost is somewhere. It's it's going to someone at some point. Right. So that's why I think about these companies that are subsidizing uh, even curbside pickup and Bopis. Think about Walmart and Target. It takes additional manpower to ensure that you can uh, create those operations. And they're not it's free to pick up uh, curbside. But it seems like in my mind that is going to be the long term winner of this, because the the everyday stop at Walmart or Kroger, especially for you know home household essentials and uh, and grocery, is that the everyday Walmart or Kroger or Target run was already in people's routine. So you can cut that routine time bound by 90% and at no additional cost. So it seems like that will be a long-term winner. And I, I don't think Bopus is going anywhere. So with that in mind, what does the increased usage of Bopus do to a carrier like yourself? Are you guys running more middle mile operations? How is that impacting you? Well, it definitely, uh, in, in the middle mile, there, there's still a need for that uh, in a Bopus type situation. And, you know, first of all, I, I totally agree with you. I think Bopus is, is one of those things that it's here to stay. Uh, and consumers uh, really, really have have gravitated toward that because it, it's a good balance of that of that cost and convenience answer. Um, and a lot of times that stock already is it's theoretically already in stock at the store. And so it, it feels like a same day kind of uh, operation for, for a consumer. But to answer your other question, uh, it does really drive, still drive uh, things like LTL in the middle mile. So, you know, a, a dispersion of uh, endpoints, as we talked about earlier, kind of demand points happens at a great scale with, with home delivery, but it still happens at some scale when you have especially big box retailers that have thousands of stores across the country, that's a different thing than being able to consolidate truckloads unless you're, you know, the largest of the big box retailers. Most most store endpoints uh, in a in a just a normal flow of their product uh, aren't receiving necessarily full truckloads of of specific items every day. So that really does create a, a position for LTL. On the other hand, you know, you talked at the top about us being a logistics company that does more than LTL. And we have truckload and expedite modes that allow us uh, really to, to serve any, any piece of that. So we are seeing uh, more expedite for sure, uh, really kind of in that, in that line haul, uh, middle mile. Also, you know, truckload in, in the retail space uh, is still there. It's still alive and it's still strong. And so uh, I think it's just a it's just a, a case of you know you're seeing more LTL, which it's a smaller market than truckloads, so it tends to you know smaller uh, movements can be greater felt in that LTL market as well. So you're seeing that for sure, uh, even even in a BOPUS kind of environment. 
So, Dennis, I saw an article this morning, I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal, that talked about uh, how direct consumer models that retailers are taking on now, they're moving away from wholesale and more towards more direct consumer models. The, 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 the shift is being led by the biggest brands in the world, the Adidas, Nike, and Under Armour, but they're moving towards more direct consumer models. And what this, what this creates is a, a more, de more demand for actually um, Adidas, Nike, or Under Armour branded stores. So the, this, the article in the Wall Street Journal basically said that in 2021, it's the first year, and I think more than a decade, that we're expecting more retail openings, uh, store openings, than expected store closures. Um, and so it, this leans on the point of dispersion of endpoints. As you said, it's a, a much more dispersed endpoint when you're going to home. Homes, but the same is happening uh, when you're going from retailers to brands owning their own stores. So the way I want to, the, the next thing I want to talk about is how LTL, um, LTL in particular, but all modes of transportation have always focused on creating density in networks. So with these dispersion points, you know, spreading out and, and density kind of unraveling, how do you guys think about still creating density, uh, balancing density and meeting customers where they're at? Absolutely. Well, uh, you said a really key word that that you know we we work toward, and I think most supply chain managers work toward is density. And you know, I think one of the one of the challenges of a of a supply chain manager is thinking about um, their their entire supply chain and thinking about how they can create that density because it's generally more efficient uh, to move things together that can go together for as long as they can go together uh, and get to that that endpoint. But to your point, you know this proliferation of more stores, uh, just in 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 a broader demand footprint, is going to drive smaller shipment quantities. In general, now you're going to have some situations where truckloads going to make sense right into the back of that that Adidas uh, branded store, if you will. Um, but at the same time, you're you're wanting to be more nimble and agile. You can't keep a whole lot of inventory in the back room of one of those smaller stores. And so that is definitely gonna drive mode selection to an, an LTL type quantity generally um, for, for the proliferation of, of stores like that at, at, at a greater scale. So I think it definitely, to your point, drives LTL, um, but there are, there are definitely uh, opportunities for these other modes either, either back in the middle mile or if there's density like you said in these in these certain lanes uh that it, it definitely can drive truckload or, or expedite or other you know larger larger mode kind of uh or larger quantity kind of modes dennis supply chains have been upended uh because of COVID at every end of supply chain from raw materials to uh to home delivery uh, and it seems that demand planning has been something that's been very difficult for the industry, both on supplier side and on the transportation side throughout COVID. So I wanted to ask you whether you think the, the challenge of demand planning in our industry is a structural issue that was highlighted by COVID, or is it something that was caused by COVID? That's a great question. And I think I'm going to take the middle ground and say it might be a structural condition that was exacerbated by COVID. COVID. Um, I think always uh, you're you're trying to understand, you know, what demand looks like. And I think I think for many uh, supply chain managers, that looked like relying on historical data and, and models from, you know, seasonality, for example, you know, how, how much of this product am I going to need uh, during this season? And so I'm going to 
you know, build up my inventory three months in advance. Well, I mean, now with with what's happened with COVID, not only the the e-commerce change, but then just, uh, you know, the change in housing and mobility and, you know, where what people are doing in their lives, just as you, you talk about kind of the behavior change at the consumer level, that's really uh, just completely changed the demand dynamics. Uh, you know, planners don't know uh, what inventory they need, where, when, and are uh, these these products just flying off the shelf in this location just because that's what's on the shelf at that location, or is that really what consumers wanted at that location? And so I think you know, COVID really just just exacerbated the problem in that now you don't have good history to rely on. And I think you know, 2021, what does seasonality look like? And especially, how are you going to compare to last year? Uh, and so I just think, you know, there are so many factors that have just created this problem for planners that are trying to create that density, trying to be efficient, trying to plan ahead um, and trying to get things to the point where the consumer uh, needs them when they need them. And I think that's that's just the, the nature of the pandemic changed everything from the behavior of consumers at the end of the of the supply chain all the way through what the supply chain is capable of uh just because of covid protocols uh just you know behavior of of workers and and you know where they want to where they want to spend their days uh in in what industry so it just changed what's possible in the in the supply chain itself but also it was changing for manufacturers um being able to actually produce the product and then what product to produce. So, I mean, it's, it's been a complete disruption and largely driven by behavior change at every level of supply chain. But then that creates the issue, like you said, of, of planners not being able to, to look at data in, in the way that we looked at data in years past. It's, it's really much more of a, a, an agile, to overuse that word, it's it's more of an agile process where you're having to come in today and figure out what you need where and when based on what what behaviors look like today and and covid has definitely accelerated that i think that's a brilliant point how the behaviors changed seemingly overnight on the end of the supply chain and how it forced the entire supply chain at every level to rethink what they're capable of and i think I mean, if we're being honest, I think supply chains in America across the globe, but especially in America, have done an incredible job of making sure that products got to customer. Of course, we've seen delays. Uh, you know, some products have taken months to get there, whether it be furniture or exercise equipment in the case of Peloton. But things have gotten there eventually, and the, and the supply chain has kept the economy moving. But when it comes back to thinking of planning forward uh, and trying to plan ahead, have you guys seen an uptick in you know forward placement of product in warehousing? Have How has that changed with e-commerce when people are thinking about getting product to, to consumers faster? Have you guys, have, have, have your customers changed the way that they um, uh, place product? Well, I think, you know, just it's, it's been a, a, a complete shift I mean, for, for people to think. And first of all, you know, I want to kind of reflect back on the first part of, of your setup there on just the resiliency of the supply chain and the resiliency of the, the people in the supply chain, I think is incredible. Um, and and it's it's enabled by a lot of people with a lot of tenacity 
um, all the way through from, from you know, folks like our company, uh, our drivers, dock workers, our customer service people, our salespeople. I mean, all, everyone's living a very different life right now. And, and to be so resilient through this is, is amazing. And so, so I want to I want to recognize that and not not miss that point that you made on on how incredible it is that the supply chains have have survived um, through this. But I think the other thing is, um, you know, to, to highlight some of the some of the creativity, uh, it's really a benefit when you have uh, supply chain providers, for example, that can have a lot of different options. And you know, I know you know we've been with our customers saying. Hey, we'll find a way. Whatever, whatever we need to do, that's actually our, our vision. Whatever we need to do, um, if it's if it's right to move this LTL today, uh, if it's right to push it into to warehousing. I mean, we've we've had a lot of conversations about just reconfiguring how our customer supply chain work. And so um, you're, we're definitely seeing more more and more of those conversations. Our, our managed. Uh, solutions business has actually been one of the fastest growing pieces of our business for a while. And that just, I mean, that just has accelerated because consumers or retailers are having this kind of this kind of discussion, but also vendors, suppliers of retailers are having this kind of discussion. Um, how do I, how do I set this up and should I create uh, a different demand point? Should I move things around? But, you know, what I would say is, uh, you know, it's it's different by uh, by company. The, the supply chains are are very different. They're they're unique. A lot of companies use their supply chain um, as a competitive weapon, and so one one retailer might look very different from the next retailer. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that there's you know this this massive trend that we're seeing uh, one way or another in in terms of inventory right now. It's just a mad scramble to get it. And so I think look at where inventories are. Uh, they're very low. Uh, retailers need inventory. And so it's it, right now it's, it's pretty much all hands on deck. Whatever situation you can find to get the inventory in stock, it's not so much about storing it up um, at this point. It's just getting it on the shelf. I see. That makes sense. Uh, Dennis, next time we speak, we're, we'll have to do something on port congestion and inventory levels because I'm sure we could go on for an hour just on inventories alone. I'm, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on how e-commerce changes the way that retailers look at inventories, but we will save that for another day. I want to ask one last question before you go, and I, I hate to belabor the point of, of learnings because it does seem like what you've been telling me over the past year is that ArcBest has learned uh, and adjusted a lot over the last year, but Let's just to finish it. What have been the the main takeaways, the main learnings that you and your company have taken over the last year with COVID, and what are you taking forward uh, with you into the future? Yeah, absolutely, great question, Andrew. And, and you know, I will say I will reflect back on uh, what I said. Just the resiliency of first of all within our company, our people uh, has been incredible, and and just just seeing how people have adapted and adjusted. And you know, just continue to serve customers, uh, continue to to serve the supply chain, continue to make pickups and deliveries. I mean, in an environment like this, where you know there are concerns over health and making sure everyone's safe, but then you know, being able to go make make things happen on a day to day basis, our, our sales force being able to connect with customers in unique ways, 
uh, where whether it's over video or, or you know staying in, in touch via text, whatever, de designing supply chains and not ever even sitting in a room together, it's it's pretty amazing. And so I think we've learned um, that we can do a whole lot more things uh, than we ever dreamed without our comfort zone. And so that's that's one big learning uh, that I take away from this. And so the resiliency of 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 our company is something I'm I'm very very proud of and of our people very very proud of and the agility too I mean for for our company we came into the the pandemic uh, about a year ago really looking at a steep decline in business and so we made a lot of changes quickly uh to to really make sure that we weren't uh burning cash that that we needed to that we needed to preserve and then and then as things recovered, thankfully, th those things started to recover in the back half of last year. And we were able to, to restore some of those actions. And just just seeing that uh, just come back so quickly, I think, was was a was a blessing and a great thing to see. And so the other thing that, you know, kind of so those are great learnings about our company and our people. The other thing I think uh, is just that the will of the consumer to continue uh, spending and continue and just, you know, shift behavior, but continue to to uh, live their life through something like this is pretty amazing. I mean, the shift to e-commerce, we talked about it at the, at the top, That's that's been a, a big learning, but there's still a lot of runway there. I mean, we, we haven't we haven't eclipsed from the from the Census Bureau's perspective for a year. We still haven't eclipsed 15 percent of total retail sales being e-commerce yet. So a lot of movement there, but a lot of runway to go. And I think just at the end of the day, uh, that resiliency and agility are the are the things that I take away most from this pandemic from our company's perspective and then just looking at supply chains and the consumer uh, in, in general. Dennis, I am so glad you said that because I've written about it uh, back in over the summer uh, during the middle of COVID. I wrote that you cannot doubt the American consumer, especially with free money. Uh, you give us a little bit of stimulus. I promise you we will spend it. It is the one thing we know best. And I also wanted to comment on the fact that, you know, you were talking about how execution and how you guys have been agile and flexible. And it's just the idea that talk is cheap. You can say you're going to do these things, but you have to execute and you have to be there for your customers and you have to continue to build relationships, even in the, the deepest and darkest of times that we went through in the, the middle of last year. And I know you guys did that. So thank you for your hard work uh, to keep the economy moving and keep America moving. But I also wanted to give you a moment, uh, give all the retailers and everyone listening uh, a place to go. Where should they go to find more about ArcBest and your services? Sure. Well, well thanks, Andrew. And and if anyone's looking to, to connect with us to, for further conversation, you can reach us at arcb.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, we're, we've got a number of representatives there on LinkedIn as well that, that you can reach out to. But uh, arcb.com is our is our web presence and we'd be happy to talk to you more and andrew i just i just appreciate you and freight waves thanks again for for having me on today and and uh, looking forward to, to speaking with you more and looking forward to, to speaking with anyone in the audience that, that would like to chat further absolutely dennis i have learned a ton today i'm sure people listening have as well Everyone, you can always get every podcast and an audio show that Freightways puts out in one feed on Freightcast. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts on Spotify or Apple Music. You can also subscribe to Point of Sale show uh, on its own, the same places. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search Point of Sale. 
And lastly, please sign up for the Point of Sale newsletter, which is also sponsored by ArcBest. You can find that at FreightWaves.com POS. Very easy to sign up and get some of the archived posts there, as well as some of the archived episodes. I'm talking about retail supply chains twice weekly, Mondays and Thursdays. All right, that's been it for episode seven of the Point of Sale show, the retail supply chain show, where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and the data they use to make decisions. See you next week. Wow. Wow.